Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, go. here we go. Blog Talk go for Radio. It. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone, and thank you to all of our listeners worldwide. We are honored by your presence here. Today is A Course in Miracles virtual class with Robert Rosenthal, MD. Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. Today, we'll delve into Chapter 15, Section 4, The Illusion and the Reality of Love. A pen and paper ready to take notes, and if you own a copy of the course, uh, feel free to read along with us. Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's board of directors for almost 25 years since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on his new position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of Dr. Bill Thetford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus from the Slavery of Ego, Land of Spirit, published by Hay House. The book reinterprets the biblical story of Moses and Pharaoh as a parable of the mind's struggle to escape ego and identify once again with spirit. It is recommended you read this book whether you are a seasoned student of the course or if you're new to it. This will help you effortlessly deepen your understanding of the abstract concepts presented in A Course in Miracles. Uh, Okay, so if you would like to read excerpts of that book and connect with Dr. Bob, visit FromPlaguesToMiracles.com. As always, you can send questions and feedback about these segments to me through SpiritualInsightsRadio.com. You can also follow the show on social media. On Twitter, you can find me at Char Spicer. And on Facebook, you can find Dr. Bob on his page, From Plagues to Miracles. And I do believe Dr. Bob is at From Plagues to Miracles on Twitter as well. Uh, new announcements, if you haven't heard yet, you can interact with other listeners and like-minded people in the new uh, private group I created, the Spiritual Insights Forum. There are links to that on my personal profile. You can also tune in directly to segments right from my Facebook page, Spiritual Insights 
Radio. So that's the latest from me, and now we'll hear from Dr. Bob to see if he has anything going on. Welcome back, Dr. Bob. How are you? Thank you. Um, overall good, busy, um, like so many people uh, here on the West Coast, although I hear the East Coast too, I'm sort of fighting a mild illness of some kind, but uh, so far so good, and I'm definitely present and uh, eager to do this segment. I have to say, when you say that I had been a psychotherapist for 32 years, I think, holy cow, it's been, that was that long, you know, you get to a certain age and uh, hearing 30 years is, is a little shocking. Mm-hmm. Uh, no doubt. And I should also add, I do not have a Twitter account, um, so nobody's going to be able to reach me on Twitter. I just haven't been guided to do that. Um, and okay. if that changes, I will certainly let everyone know. Okay. Mm-mm-mm. Well, let's talk about the topic today. Again, that's Chapter 15, Section 4, The Illusion and the Reality of Love. Um, lots of changes are taking place. Um, we've been explaining that 2016 uh, was a year of endings, and so I'm aware that a lot of people may have lost um, relationships, homes, um, endings can you know take many forms, but we want to focus on uh, relationships so this will be a series uh, that we're creating on a special kind of relationship called a special relationship as defined in the course. And the reason we're doing this, this is if you had a relationship that ended, whether it's a romantic relationship, um, a business relationship, or a friendship, no matter what form that took, if it had to end, we want to help you understand why. And if you're in a relationship where you're experiencing conflict and you're trying so hard to keep it together and keep it going, we want to help you do that, take it deeper, and um, reveal to yourself any blocks uh, that are preventing this relationship from um, being of harmony and one of, of shared growth. And um, so that's our, that's our intention for this, is to help you understand uh, relationships at a much, much deeper level. Anything you'd like to add to that, Dr. Bob? Um, you know, one of the things about A Course in Miracles is it's this grand symphonic work. Uh, Ken Wapnick was the first to liken it to a symphony, and so it it sort of um, brings its core teaching through a number of different lenses, and one of the main ones, um, you know, occupying right in the smack dab in the middle of the uh, text is this idea of special and holy relationships. So, you know, what I like to say is relationships is where the Course lives. Um, you know, we think of ourselves as separate individuals, uh, and it's hard not to do that here. The first step back towards oneness, towards unity, is a relationship where, where, the, one, where the, the seemingly separate person recognizes that their interests are aligned and, in fact, identical with someone else. So, yeah, this is pretty important stuff. I'm sure you're clicking in and out. I don't know whether, um, you know, what that, whether other people are hearing that, but just to make you aware of it. Okay. I don't know why. Um, I just, uh, I, I don't know if it's blog talk radio or energy or what's happening try to neutralize it but yeah yesterday my um co-host uh was dropped i had to call her back to get her back on the air but i will see what i can do if not i have someone who can help me uh fix the audio and 
we might have Good. to do that. I don't know. Thanks for letting me know. Yep. Yeah, it's happening right now. It's like little clicking in the background. There, I wonder there, if it's there. me moving. I'll just try to be more still. Okay. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Now. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm going to try to remain as still as possible. Well, let's go into the difference between a special relationship and a holy relationship so that even if someone isn't student of the course, they can get a a, a real sense of what we're talking about. Uh, okay. I'll start with, uh, in a holy relationship, we experience harmony and mutual sharing and growth. In a special relationship, we experience conflict, we experience confusion, pain, and also a, a pattern of silent and verbal attack. Because in a special relationship, what we're looking to get is from a, from another person, we're looking to get what we sense is lacking in ourselves, whether that is validation of our worthiness or confirmation that we are, in fact, lovable. Um, what you can do to visualize what I'm saying is picture shadow boxing. Use the image of shadow boxing to demonstrate the emotional behavior of being in a special relationship where negative feelings lie beneath the surface of artificial peace. And what it all comes back to, since the most important thing here is relationships, is our relationship with ourself. So what we often tend to do is instead of working on that relationship with ourself, we try to get it from outside of ourselves from another person. And when we're dissatisfied with what that person is delivering, that's when we run into trouble. But that is the precise moment that those blocks are trying to come up to be revealed to you. Um, and that's what I have. Uh, Dr. Bob, do you want to augment? Um, yeah, I'll say a little more. And then, you know, I mean, this section does get into this, but it, it, I think I think this is a good idea to kind of give a little preamble. Um, so to the extent that we all believe that we are limited beings, you know, in our own little body um, navigating a really difficult world, the special relationship shows up as this, I think, uh, what is the line here, you know, uh, like a haven in the storm of guilt. That is to say, we single out certain relationships where we feel someone else sees us as special and we see them as special, and this becomes like as good as it gets within this world. And when one of them stops working, we think, all right, that wasn't the one, and we go out and start looking for another one. But the course, A Course in Miracles is very clear. Love is not special. Um, love can't be special. In fact, in a later chapter, Chapter 24, it talks about how we actually use specialness as a substitute for love. We don't believe we are love and that everyone else is love. And the ego mind instead substitutes this idea of specialness. Well, if I can't get love, at least I have something that I can feel real special about. So it's kind of the consolation prize. Um, the mm. problem with that, of course, is it will never satisfy. It, it, it has to fail. And to the extent that we are um, you know, investing all of our energy in finding something that's squarely situated in the world of illusion – um, you know, we're trying to find the the best seat with the best view on the deck of the Titanic as it's headed toward the iceberg. It's not going to get us very far. Um, and yet most of us spend our whole lives, you know, looking for that, that special relationship. So what the holy relationship, by contrast, 
is any relationship that you turn over to the Holy Spirit and use not for the purpose of specialness, but just for the purpose of seeing your brother sinless, that is forgiveness, and by doing that, recognizing your own sinlessness, that is your own essence that is just love. Um, You know, when we're doing that, in a sense, either all relationships are special or all relationships are holy. But the Course says we're usually given, you know, one person or at any given time, there's one person who is our main, um, you know, game board on which we're learning this lesson in a very profound way. They're, they're the ones we fall in love with, and then they're the ones who trigger us no end because they just don't seem to get it. They're not doing what we think they should be doing, and we're going to talk about this more later. Um, but the transformation of the special relationship into the holy relationship is probably the essence of learning for the course. Um, Remember the two scribes, uh, Bill and Helen, the channels who brought this through, were in a horrific special relationship, Um, you know, working their tails off at uh, Columbia University Medical School, Helen in love with Bill, Bill a closeted homosexual. I mean, you know, there was just conflict and specialness everywhere, and the course came when Bill said there must be another way. Now, I think he was focusing more on work, but that another way encompasses everything. It has to. You know, you can't just have another way that works in one corner of your life while everything else still, you know, goes about the same. So this is really, you know, one of the cornerstones of A Course in Miracles, this idea of transforming a special relationship into a holy relationship. Beautiful. And back to you. (laughs) Okay, well, we there are. This is a longer section than usual. Um, there are 13 paragraphs, and we will try to be succinct. A lot of this is self-explanatory. We'll dig into what is uh, a little abstract. Uh, if we do not get to all 13 paragraphs, we'll just pick up where we left off in the next segment. Again, this will be a series where we're going to um, go through several sections and, until it's complete. So. Uh, do you want to take paragraph one, Dr. Bob, or do you want me to? Why don't you start us out, and uh, and I'll follow up. <laughs> okay. All right. And I, I didn't have a whole lot of time, but I made a few notes. So I will uh, read those to you when I'm done reading the paragraph. Okay. Perfect. Be not afraid to look upon the special hate relationship for freedom lies in looking at it. It would be impossible not to know the meaning of love except for this. For the special love relationship in which the meaning of love is hidden is undertaken solely to offset the hate, but not to let it go. Your salvation will rise clearly before your open eyes as you look on this. You cannot limit hate. The special love relationship will not offset it, but will merely drive it underground and out of sight. It is essential to bring it into sight and to make no attempt to hide it, for it is the attempt to balance hate with love that makes love meaningless to you. The extent of the split that lies in this you do not realize, and until you do, the split will remain unrecognized and therefore unhealed. Mm-mm-mm. My goodness, here are the notes that I wrote in so far as interpreting this. Number one, be not afraid that, that what you find will be so offensive to you that you are convinced it can't be healed when we take a really good, honest look at ourselves and our beliefs and our attitudes and behaviors. It can be scary. 
but that's just fear. If you go move beyond the fear and really take a look at what's bothering you and therefore what's impacting the relationship, that's where healing can take place. Number two, special relationships provide a space in which we think we are operating in love, but in reality, we are trying to dodge what blocks us from experiencing true love instead of allowing ourselves to reveal it and relinquish it forever. Number three, salvation in relationships is looking honestly at what is going wrong. Four, turning a blind eye to the problem and burying it beneath a mere wish for peace and harmony guarantees the problem will continue in an endless loop until such time that you can't avoid it anymore, resulting in a relationship that is either deeply fractured or must end. And um, that's my way of trying to nutshell this. How did I do? I think you, I think every one of those you know, bullet points was great. Um, you know, I, I would just add one thing, and that is that theme of exposure that you talked about, you know, for uh, with with the change of the year. Um, you know, the, what, what we keep hidden, what we keep from Holy Spirit, what we keep from God um, stays separate. And as long as it stays separate, we believe we're separate. So in a sense... Um, you know, the goal in a relationship uh, as well as the goal for ourselves is to bring forth everything that's within us that's not love in order to let it go to love. This is uh, right out of the Gospel of Thomas, one of the Gnostic Gospels, the line where it says, bring forth, if you bring forth what is within you, what is within you will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what is within you will destroy you. You know, and, and I was a couples therapist for over 20 years. Um, I, I came to it a little later in my career. But this is so true. If, if a couple starts hiding something from each other, if there isn't a sense of transparency and a desire for that transparency, a desire to know what the inner world of the other person is, even if you don't like it, um, then whatever stays hidden, it almost becomes like this black hole exerting this gravitational field and everything else starts getting sucked into it. And eventually, you know, the couple will break up over, you know, God, he left the lid off the, uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, the jar, jar of pickles in the kitchen. Right. There you, you go. Know, I don't believe, <laughs> sick of it. I can't believe it. He's done that five times. I'm out of here. You know, the, the little tiny things wind up taking on all of that energy. So a lot of what we want to do is just, you know, bring forward whatever's in us to the light. And this section talks a lot about that. There are other sections that do, too. This does it specifically in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. All right. Take on paragraph two. Paragraph two. The symbols of hate against the symbols of love play out a conflict that does not exist. For symbols stand for something else, and the symbol of love is without meaning if love is everything. You will go through this last undoing quite unharmed and will at last emerge as yourself. This is the last step in the readiness for God. Be not unwilling now. You are too near and you will cross the bridge in perfect safety, translated quietly from war to peace. For the illusion of love will never satisfy, but its reality, which awaits you on the other side, will give you everything. So, you know, the two things I would say about this are that because we live in a world that's unreal, a world of illusion, everything here is basically a symbol. And everything here is for separation, for separateness. Um, 
if you're trying to wring some satisfaction from a symbol, you won't be able to do it because it, it's essentially unreal. Only love is real. And I'm therefore, sorry. love can't be symbolized. Love is everything. I, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt because now you just clicked and went out and came back. Could you repeat that first okay. sentence? <laughs> yeah, I was saying, um, that in this world, everything is a symbol, uh, and what it really symbolizes is separation. Love being everything, being reality, isn't capable of being symbolized. You know, um, how, do you, how do you take everything and create a sim- craft a symbol for it? You can't do it. Um, so our goal is, you know, again, to move from, uh, you know, from, from symbols of hate versus symbols of love to, to the reality of love. And, and that's the title of this section, The Illusion and the Reality of Love. Special relationships are an illusion of love. The reality of love is something far more majestic and will always satisfy in every situation, everywhere, every time. Nice. Your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) I guess I have a few. (laughs) Just Just to remember that symbols are something that stand for, represent, or suggest another thing. So when we're talking about symbols, um, we can translate that to... We look upon something, but for, but for us it represents something else. For instance, a relationship. You know that line in, in the movie, you know, you complete me? That other person can't complete you. Therefore, that's an yes. illusion, and you're using that as this relationship as a symbol for what you feel you lack, which is self-love. That's about it. Um, beautiful. My second thought is the process will be painful if you let it be. And I'm waiting for the echo to go away. We must heal the wounds in our relationship rather than ignore their existence and play along as though we don't know they're there. Yes. Yep. That's that's all I have for that. That's pretty good. I mean, you know, when it talks about this last step in readiness for God, don't be afraid. I mean, all through the course, it's encouraging us, you know, to keep moving and and in one sense, we feel like the journey is very long, but how do we know that, you know, when we complete the next step, we won't wake up and realize that it generalizes and we find enlightenment? So our job is just to keep walking and, you know, undoing the illusions. And that some of those the sections later on will, will address that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, if you think this is deep, where do we get a few paragraphs down? Yeah. <laughs> My All right, goodness. Take okay. Paragraph three. Here we, go. Here we go. The special love relationship is an attempt to limit the destructive effects of hate by finding a haven in the storm of guilt. It makes no attempt to rise above the storm into the sunlight. On the contrary, it emphasizes the guilt outside the haven by attempting to build barricades against it and keep within them. The special love relationship is not perceived as a value in itself but as a place of safety from which hatred is split off and kept apart. The special love partner is acceptable only as long as he serves this purpose. Hatred can enter, and indeed is welcome in some aspects of the relationship, but it is still held together by the illusion of love. If the illusion goes, the relationship is broken or becomes unsatisfying on the grounds of disillusionment. That's great. Oh, my God. <laughs> Makes me want to curl up into a ball and say, yes. 
Okay, here are the notes that I took, and then this was the last paragraph I got to get to, so I'm going to have to wing it for the rest. Um, this special relationship is a lie designed to hide the truth of our limitations and conditions to love. We all have conditions. When those conditions aren't met, then we turn the other person into the enemy. Um, the purpose of a partner in a special relationship is to give us what we feel we lack. As long as we receive that from one from one we view as separate, we consider the relationship to be working. Once dissatisfaction creeps in, we are willing to sacrifice the relationship for a shiny new one, filled with the perceived promise of delivering what we deny ourselves. Love never hurts. Disillusionment, where our illusions of the relationship shatter, such as, quote, this will last forever. This is the largest contribution to the current divorce rate. Many people bind themselves to the wrong person at the wrong time for the wrong reason. It was easier to believe the illusion than to see the truth. And then it brought to mind that song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, all the wrong Looking places. for Love in All exactly. the Wrong Faces. If you, want to, if you want to find the love you so desperately seek, look in the mirror until you see it reflected back to you. Otherwise, the only thing in a special relationship will reflect is what needs to be revealed in you. Yeah. That's all yeah, I've Looking got. for love in all the wrong places could also be a title for A Course in Miracles. <laughs> exactly. exactly. You know, um, the only um, thing that I would say in this one is, and this gets a little complicated, a little bit abstract, but, but I do think it's important. Um, later in the course, in some of the workbook lessons in particular, it talks about the nature of defenses, and it's referring to psychological defenses, that is, the things that we do with our minds to avoid looking at areas of conflict. Um, you know, I remember uh, once driving down to Washington, D.C. with a girlfriend, and we spent a lovely time in a museum, and we came out and went back to my car, and my car wasn't there, and I'm looking around, and I'm like, Where's the car? No, it's got to be here. I must have parked on a different street, and I'm walking down other streets, and this is the defense of denial. You know, my car got towed, and it took another three hours to get it back. Um, so we, we erect these psychological defenses when there's something that, that we don't want to see in, in standard psychological terms. A Course in Miracles makes this really um, powerful point that whatever we defend against, we actually make real for us. We wouldn't be trying to defend against it if we didn't believe that it could really hurt us. So what this is essentially saying in this section is that the special, the special love relationship is an attempt to hold guilt at bay, to hold the separation at bay by saying, by saying okay, in this one arena, I'm going to love and you and I, you know, we're together till the end of time, as you said. Nothing's going to ever bother us or hurt us. Um, Blue Lagoon, nothing else in the world exists, just we two innocent lovers, and isn't it going to be wonderful? 
Um, but this is a defense, and actually what it does by trying to avoid all of the negativity that's always here in the world of illusion and in the world of form is it makes it real. So it's inevitable. You know, It's almost like, oh, I want to build a house in the middle of the ocean, and I'm going to put up these great walls, and I'm going to pretend that I'm living in the middle of the prairie rather than in the middle of the ocean, and isn't it great? Well, you know, good luck with that. At some point, the ocean's going to probably make it through your walls. Um, because you know you're defending against something and trying to pretend that it isn't there when it absolutely is there. So the course is saying, don't don't use the defense of the special relationship. See it for what it is, and then turn it over and turn it into a holy relationship. In terms of that metaphor I just used, it's like now move. Uh, you know, live in a different place where where there isn't this constant threat that comes from the guilt of the separation, where we felt that we left God, and therefore God's out to get us, and because God's out to get us, every one of our brothers and sisters is also really out to get us. But if we're lucky, we can find one who isn't. Um, and this is, you know, this is, this is why the special relationship is so important to us. Mm. Um, does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I like the way you use the ocean in, in metaphor <laughs> because, yeah, you have this house, and then you have weather conditions and all that you, we attempt to deny. And eventually the ocean's going to make its presence known to you. Yes. And, and, and it might not be pleasant. The longer you deny it, here's, my, here's what I always say. When we deny something, when we're being stubborn, the more stubborn we are, the bigger the wake-up call. For sure. So, if you need a few thumps on the head to help you get it, you're going to get it because that's what you're asking for. If, 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 if at our core, what we're really saying is, God, please reveal me to myself. Yes. And myself exists not just in me individually. It exists in everybody else out there. They're the mirrors in which you really get to see your own sinlessness. And that's the basis of forgiveness as A Course in Miracles describes it. So, you know, in special love, and hey, we all remember what that's like, right? Um, you know, uh -huh. you, you don't fall in love with the other person. You don't even know who they are. You're falling in love with your fantasy, a projection that you've put on them. And to the extent that that seems to fit them for a while, or to the extent that they don't blow it out of the water by doing something completely out of tune with that fantasy, you stay in love. But the longer you're with them, that has to give way. You know, that those ocean waves are going to break through that wall, and a relationship that's solid and lasts actually shifts to a completely different basis where, yeah, you really want to know them and appreciate whatever might be different. And not only that, you want to learn from it. Um, as a couples therapist, I used to say to my couples, I said, you know, the algorithm for marriage is you find someone who you think completes you. They look... they. They take your core issue and they run it in a completely 180-degree diametrical way. If you're quiet and avoidant, they're talkative and extroverted and confront stuff and vice versa. So we marry someone like that thinking, yeah, that would be a good thing to have in my life. And then we spend the rest of the marriage going, I don't know why you do it that way. My way is right. Um, and, and, and the conflict enters right there. Rather than, oh, I want to learn from that. There's something there. I, I'm, I'm defended in this way, and this person you know, gives me an example of how to move. And if both people are moving towards a common center, they're both going to grow, 
and that relationship becomes stronger because really the purpose of it is not, oh, you know, starry-eyed love, um, which Shakespeare in Romeo and Juliet tells us how that one ends. Uh, you know, the purpose of it is growth. The purpose of it is mutual growth. And, you know, that that's sort of the psychological equivalent of where A Course in Miracles takes it, you know, several degrees further. The purpose is recognizing the reality of each other, which is only love. Mm. Nice. Uh, I want to I want to point something out with respect to separation. Okay, so the the course says that we perceive ourselves as separate from our brothers and sisters. So in relationship, before you go down that slippery slope of okay, we were unified and now we're in conflict, which um, reinforces the idea of separateness. Allow the other person in the relationship to be an individual but do not perceive them as separate because that only reinforces the conflict. That is the conflict. Yeah. If they're separate, then they're going to attack you in, 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 you know, to the extent that the ego runs that situation. Um, and, And paradoxically, when we really let someone be themselves, be an individual, what we're really saying is I love you unconditionally. You know, yeah, you left the jar off the pickles, but you know what? I'm okay. I know how to put a jar back on on the pickles, and I can even put it in the fridge. And I can let you know that, you know, that really bugs me, um, but maybe I also look at why it bugs me. Am I looking for an excuse to just ding you? You know, I have a, a, a son. He's 19. He is one of the sweetest, most wonderful beings but his memory isn't that great. And, you know, he's leaving things. He'll say he's going to do something and then walks out of the room and he's genuinely forgotten to do it. Now I could go crazy on that. I could, you know, um, yell, I could criticize, I could shame him, you know, what WTF is the matter with you. Mm -hmm. But I can also accept that. And in any given situation, kind of ask myself, how important is it to go to the mat on this? You know, is this something I really, you know, I mean, there are things, that I really need him to do because I don't do them as well anymore at my age. And on those, I'm like, Hey, you know, I got to remind you again, but it's done with, you know, my request is, is, is made with sweetness and love. Um, so, you know, even in those places where we get triggered, if we look within, usually we realize it's not about the other person. You know, when I'm snarky to my wife, it's almost never about her. It's about, what I'm thinking or what I'm wanting that she's not doing or, or something that just happened that's got me irritated that has, you know, that, that's from work and, and I'm not even aware of it. So our partners become the lightning rods where all of our negativity can go because at one level, you know, they are the safest. Hey, they agreed to be with us forever if we're married and, you know, but, but no, Letting them be an individual, as you just said, Char, is really saying, whoever you are, I will love you unconditionally. And if there's stuff I don't like, I'm not going to hide it. I'll bring it up. But it doesn't change the unconditional. Right. I just want to add that, and, and you can support this as a psychiatrist. Generally, the thing that attracts us most to that person will eventually turns into the thing that starts to get on your nerves. Yeah, that's the shadow in operation, you know. Okay. Yeah. I wanna, I'm reminded of uh, early in my relationship with, with um, Alan, who is likewise the kindest, 
the nicest, one of the, the greatest people I've ever mm. met, and he would never intentionally hurt me, and I believe this, and I trust it. So something was said. I don't remember what. I just remember my reaction to it. And I immediately tried to get into my right, my right mind and say, wait a minute, you're, you're in reaction. Just walk away. So I said, excuse me a moment. I'm having a reaction to what you just said. I'm going to step into the other room and figure this out. And I, I said, is that okay? And he said, okay, sure. So I did. Dude, and I went. And I, yeah. And I, what I discovered was, I, I, and we've all heard this, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. You know, when we're in reaction to another person in the present, what we're reacting to is something from the past. And this is what I teach about consistently on the show. So I went in and I sat down and I said, okay. Who made you feel this way the first time? And it was my mother. My mother was the sweetest lady, and, and I loved her dearly. But she had some idiosyncrasies that really got under my skin. And whatever it was that he said, he said it in such a way that it reminded me of my mother. So I went back and said, guess what I just figured out about myself? He says, what? I said, when you said that... It reminded me of mommy, and she would do this, and it made me feel this way, so I knew I had to forgive her. That's what I did. Now I'm back. Let's pick up where we left off in the conversation. It was fine. Yeah, so you do a couple things there. One, you take responsibility for your own feelings and thoughts. Two, you work with it to figure out what it was. And you could have done that and never told him what it was. You could have just come back in and gone, okay, I'm fine. Um, but by sharing that deeper level insight, he gets, one, a better sense of, of, of who you are. And maybe the next time it comes up, if you're not conscious of it, he can, get, he can say, is this one of those things where I'm reminding you of your mother? And two, he gets to see that you're doing your inner work, which encourages him to do his inner work. This is, this is, you know, th- this is healthy relational growth. You nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. And one time, he started telling me about the ego, and I was like, where is this coming from? How do you know that? And he says, from you. I thought, oh, he listens. He pays attention. And um, apparently, I'm very good at staying on point, except when I'm extremely tired or exhausted after a long day. Then um, I, I don't have that reflex to say, okay, I'm in reaction. I just go into it. So that was pointed out to me. So I just try to be careful not to um, not to overreact. If if something is said, I can just I mean, I'll think about it tomorrow and hmm. put my put my butt in bed. Anyway, yeah. would you like to move on to paragraph four? Or do you have something else to add? Um, one one other thought. Uh, you know what you were saying about seeing the present in terms of the past. Um, This is another one of the major themes in A Course in Miracles. I mean, as far back as Lesson 7, it says, I see only the past. Um, I'm in the process of writing about perception and this sort of, you know, using the lens of the past to make sense of what we see in, in my next book, which won't be out until March of 2018, so we can talk about that more, you know, as we get closer to that. But if you really look around you, I mean, wherever you are, just stop and look around. Everything you see, you have learned about from the past. You know, you've learned what uh, a window is by how it opens in the past. You've learned what a TV is. You've learned what a book is. 
and they have associations. You know, I'm sitting in my office and I look and it's like, oh, there's the painting that my daughter did for me when she was six and that gives me a really good feeling. Or, you know, there's the book that, you know, I tried to read that one and I didn't like it. And, but our present is so locked down by the past that we don't even get to feel that that breath of freshness that can come when we let all of that go. And that's one of the goals of A Course in Miracles, too. Mm-hmm. You know, So I think your point was really well taken. And each time we dig in and find out, oh, there was a little, you know, a little chain there from my mother that I was perpetuating with my husband, um, and you identify it, you shine light on it, you, in a sense, begin to dissolve that. Uh, and at some point, working it consistently, you'll get to a place of, Oh, yeah, it just doesn't show up anymore. Um, it, it doesn't affect us. Um, someday maybe I'll read, uh, there's a, a poem that uh, psychotherapists uh, use. I don't even know where it came from. Um, but it's, it's very good about, you know, how we respond to, you know, the real traumas and problems that, that show up in our lives. Uh, maybe I'll send it to you and you can put it in your magazine and, uh, you know, we can work it that way. But we should probably keep reading, I'm thinking. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, one thing. If I ever get frustrated, or and, and I'm having an internal reaction, like I um, I can be stoic, and there can be a storm going on inside, and he doesn't know it, but I'm you know I'm thinking whatever, and and once you get one negative thought, you're going to attract others. It, that's just the law sure. of energy. I, what yeah. I do to turn it around is I picture what it was like. Before I met him, and how I felt before I met him, and I never want to go back there. So, if there's a towel on the floor, look how cute that is. You know. That's great. Yeah, and and you know, pick it up. I mean, I've worked with couples where one would get you know furious with the other because they would talk. You know, one one would do all the business phone, you know, calling the handyman, calling you know the electric company when something was wrong and they'd be like, well, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? And then when the other, when their spouse or partner does it, they're standing by the phone telling them what to say and what they're saying wrong. No, you know, if you do a better job of something in a relationship, then, then you do it. Don't expect the other person to do it because it's not fair. Let them do what they do well. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if, if your spouse isn't real good at noticing towels on the floor, Pick them up and see it as an act of love rather than a huge sacrifice that you have to do this all the time and what the blazes is wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, life is so hard. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, never forget you married your best friend. Whether, you know, and I just want to point out that I have a very strong belief that God sees marriage as the moment that two people stood in his light and fell in love. When the, the minute you realize you're in love with that person, you're standing in his light, that is when your marriage, quote-unquote, began. That is when your alliance was solidified. Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, what makes marriage tough is you really have made a commitment to stay together and work through thing, work things through. You're no longer in a place of... Um, of you know, well, that didn't work, so I'm out of here. Uh, you know, I'm gonna find uh, find find a newer model. Uh, you know, down at the relationship mm-hmm. shop. 
Well, and that's yeah. why we're doing this. You can make a commitment that you want whatever relationship you're in to be a holy relationship. And by making that commitment, you understand that that person is your perfect mirror. And they will reflect back to you what you need to see in yourself. So with that commitment, you can be more gentle with yourself and more gentle with your partner. Yes. Okay. Now let's move on. <laughs> okay. So we're on paragraph four. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will read that. Love is not an illusion. It is a fact. Where disillusionment is possible, there was not love but hate. For hate is an illusion, and what can change was never love. It is sure that those who select certain ones as partners in any aspect of living and use them for any purpose which they would not share with others are trying to live with guilt rather than die of it. This is the choice they see, and love to them is only an escape from death. They seek it desperately, but not in the peace in which it would gladly come quietly to them. And when they find the fear of death is still upon them, the love relationship loses the illusion that it is what it is not. When the barricades against it are broken, fear rushes in and hatred triumphs. That last line is reminding me of the, the sea rushing in, um, you know, when yes. the barricades fall. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think this is hard to understand, but but also very um, self-explanatory. You know, love is a fact. So this this one sentence, I have this starred and bracketed, and, you know, it is sure that those who select certain ones as partners in any aspect of living and use them for any purpose which they would not share with others are trying to live with guilt rather than die of it. That is to say, you know, guilt, we the whole idea of death doesn't exist in God's reality. I mean, it can't. It's God is oneness, love, and created us in, in, in God's image to be the exact same. So death is an aspect of separation. You know, if we're separate from God and we're in these little bodies, um, they don't go on forever. Um, and that's probably even a good thing, because at a certain point you need to push the reset button if you haven't learned and, you know, come back and do it all over again, or at least those of us who subscribe to the idea of reincarnation. Um, so if you are selecting someone as special for any reason, and that actually encompasses a special hate relationship too, I can't stand them They're, you know, they have this unique hatred, uh, then we're, we're, we're in a sense using that defense mechanism that makes guilt real, but tries to pretend that we don't see it. Um, and indeed, if you're deeply in love with someone, oh, nothing can touch you. You know, you're, you're floating on air. The butterflies are flying around your head. And the belief is, you know, you're invincible. You're uh, eternal. Nothing can kill you. But that, that's an illusion. No, no, no special relationship can do that. But when you shift and see that your goal really is to transform all of those special relationships into holy relationships. That is to say, the only purpose they serve is to help you wake up, help you, as we'll see later on, uh, two paragraphs now, undo the blocks to the awareness of love's presence, which is right there in the introduction to A Course in Miracles. When we see that, they all start working for us because they're leading us back to truth. We're no longer fighting truth. We're now turning and walking towards it. Um, your mm. thoughts, Char? Just that, you know, for hate, hate is an illusion. 
and love is a, is a fact, the reason hate is an illusion is because it's subject to change. And love is changeless. So when you're in love and then everything evolves as relationships do, that is their purpose. Nothing stays still on this planet. So it evolves and then you start to... The, the luster wears off. You get used to the idea. You, okay, time goes by and, and you're with this person and you get to know them and things aren't so... The newness of it wears off. Okay, well, now here's where you got to get get to work. You you had that honeymoon period, but now you have to do work of, okay, what is this person reflecting back to me? And then if your feelings of dislike, disappointment start to fluctuate, you know that that's hatred because it fluctuates. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. I mean, Lesson 187 talks about how, you know, this world of form, um, everything, you know, changes, um, no form endures. It's, you know, the thought behind the forms that we want to embrace. So whatever you think you're holding on to here, good luck. Uh, It will change. It has to. You know, that perfect body grows old, that, you know, amazing relationship Things come into it. Things happen to us. You know, someone gets sick in a relationship. Um, you know, someone, uh, you know, suffers a trauma. Things, things will change. But if the goal is holiness and if that is mutual, then, you know, you're going to get through all of it because the goal is something beyond. You know, you're not trying to find specialness in some form here that is unique to you and one other person and erect those barricades that keep everyone else out. Mm-hmm. And never forget that all of your thoughts and beliefs and behaviors have an impact. So if you don't want to damage your relationship, think before you act. Think before you speak. Mm-hmm. And never forget that there is impact. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. You ready for paragraph five? Sure am. Here we go. There are no triumphs of love. Only hate is at all concerned with, quote, the triumph of love. The illusion of love can triumph over the illusion of hate, but always at the price of making both illusions. As long as the illusion of hatred lasts, so long will love be an illusion to you. And then the only choice remaining possible is which illusion you prefer. There is no conflict in the choice between truth and illusion. In these terms, no one would hesitate. But conflict enters the instant. The choice seems to be one between illusions, and this choice does not matter. Whether one choice is as dangerous as the other, the decision must be one of despair. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, the triumph of love. <laughs> it, because love is everything, as it says, it, it, it's, there's nothing to triumph over. It just is. Yeah, how can oneness triumph over itself? How can, you know, exactly. And in order to triumph over something, you must be in competition with. Yes. So a thought that I had a little bit ago, I think it's appropriate to bring it up now. Sometimes we get into relationships, like I said, because of what they provide. And you you provided that beautiful contrast of one person could be quiet and they marry someone who's chatty. Um, 
I'm high energy. Alan's laid back, and we balance each other out. That that's obvious in many relationships. But if you're in a relationship with that person, let's just say, for instance, because they make you feel safe, eventually something's going to happen to make you feel unsafe in that relationship. And that's to point that out to you. So we start to triumph over what we perceive as the other person not living up to their end of the bargain or tricking us into believing something. You promise you'd always keep me safe and now you're attacking me however that unfolds and then that is what we want to triumph over is that disillusionment that was spoken about earlier in paragraph three once those illusions start to shatter you consider the person the enemy and then you try to triumph over the perceived injustice that you're experiencing by their behavior or attitude make sense yeah yeah no that, mm-hmm. that, that does make sense yeah yeah I mean, again, illusion isn't real. It's going to change. You know, if you if you're investing in illusion, at some point, you know, you're going to go bankrupt. Um, it, it can't it can't give you the returns you want. And and we see this as 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 you know bad. There's a loss. It makes us sad. But in the biggest sense. It's actually positive because it's the only way that we can see that this isn't the path, you know, back to oneness God. I mean, if if we could be satisfied with illusion, then what's the point of ever seeking truth, you know? So when illusions crash and burn, when they fail, each time that happens, you know, you can pick yourself up from the devastation and go off looking for another illusion, which the world sees as somehow noble, or you can pick yourself up and go, there must be another way. I, I think I really want to find that other way. Help, you know, Holy Spirit or higher power or universe or whatever name you want to give it, goddess, mother, uh, the name doesn't matter. When you recognize that aspect of your greater self, capital S, that's also in everybody else, and you appeal to that for help, help will be forthcoming. It may not take the form that you think because, you know, as, we, as we've been reading here, we, we think certain forms will save us when in point of fact they just keep us in, in our prison. Um, but each time things seem not to work, we get another opportunity to, you know, kind of hit that reset button and, um, and, and, and choose you know, as the Course says in the very last section of the text, to choose once again. Mm, Beautiful point. Because what I want to say is that, you know, we all know that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. So if you're in a place in your relationship where the familiar, you now hold contempt for it, that's where you have to make a choice of what you want out of this relationship. Do you want peace or do you want conflict? Because you can you can change that around. Just get to the bottom of it and look within you, as it said in, in, in the beginning of this section. You have to look within yourself to see why you're reacting to the other person. Go from there. You remember the um, War of the Roses with Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner? Oh look, how that end, look how that ended. I, I, could, I couldn't watch that. Um, as a therapist, I felt like someone should be paying me to watch that movie. <laughs> <gasps> That's funny. That was, that was incredible. <laughs> but, it's, but it's perfect. 
it's it's a perfect yeah. symbol, shall we say, to represent what we're saying here. How they meet, they fall in love. It's beautiful. They're floating, and and by the end they kill each other. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's a perfect example of. I think it's a good reference. Well, we're a bit out of time. Do you want to leave it here, and we'll pick up with paragraph um, uh, six next time? Yeah, I mean, six is sort of. Uh, let's read. Read. Let me read six. Really. Now, now we should go into six because it's 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 almost the pivotal paragraph of the whole section. So yeah, let's pick up with six next time. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought it felt uh, pretty complete with what we did so far. And then next yeah, time I mean, I can read it fast, but that's not. There's no point in that. But we wouldn't be able to do it justice. And if it's the pivotal paragraph, then that this will give everybody a chance to really absorb what we said here, and then we'll yeah. provide pivot. Yeah, I mean, if you're following this or if you're listening to this archive. You know, you could listen to this show and then tune in to the next one. And, you know, hopefully we will have some continuity there. Um, you know, the readings themselves will keep us in some continuity. But, yes, preview of coming attractions. The next paragraph is really good. <laughs> <laughs> hold on to your hat. Yes, hold on okay. to your hat. Now we're really going to have the Thank you, Char. What's going to happen? You're welcome. I did not select a prayer for today. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know I mean, why. I could douse something very quickly and see what comes up, but uh, let me just uh, – because oh. I, I like how we, uh, you know, end on, on, on those prayers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, know, I, I just flipped it open to whatever page and found something pretty interesting. All right. That sounds good. I would like to see how you douse and, and find you – are you using a pendulum? Um, no, I just would, you know, ask and flip open at, at random, and then I thought, oh, you know, I, I, I undid myself, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go look at, you know, I have a list of just page numbers uh, of my favorite passages, and, you know, I was going to like, okay, let me just douse those, because at least I'll know where I'm going, um, but why don't we go with what you came up with? Okay. It's good. It really, you can also use your left hand. I'll teach you that sometime. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's say our formal goodbyes. Thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to another year of beautiful teachings and working with you. Yeah, this is, I think this format of going through a section um, is really good because it lets us bring out the principles, but really anchored to the text of A Course in Miracles itself. And my hope really is if, if, if you don't own a copy of the course, if you're not a student but you're just tuning in, that at some point this will be intriguing enough um, and powerful enough that you decide to really you know, get this very, very powerful system um, and start working with it because it, it is indeed, I, you know, to, to my mind, the most or one of the most uh, powerful and truthful bearing um, systems of spirituality on the planet today. I agree 100%, but I would also emphasize if you get it and you find it difficult to understand the text, remember that in reading the text, it helps you absorb the lessons. In doing the lessons, it helps you understand the text. So, I mean it when I say, if you're new to it or if you're having trouble with it, read Dr. Bob's book. Go to FromPlaguesToMiracles.com. Get that book. It will 
just amazing effect. <laughs> Thank you. That and and if you're listening to this after March of 2018, you can get my next book, which is all about trying to make the concepts, the principles of A Course in Miracles, trying to convey those without the the language of the the course that's sometimes difficult, and that's called From Nevermind to Evermind. Um, so if you're listening to this down the line, um, you know, hey, check out both of them. I wouldn't mind. Because <laughs> Char's right. The text can be very um, daunting. I often say to people, just, you know, um, get a sense of what the course is, but then start with start doing the workbook lessons. Don't feel like you have to start the text from the beginning. This is a book, as I said, it's symphonic. You know, ask your higher self, your guidance, what would be a good place to start, or just douse it like we were talking about. Any place you open to is going to have the message in it. Absolutely. All right. On that okay. note, um, I'm curious what you came up with. So I will okay. say goodbye and thank you to everyone. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. Take care. All right. This is... Choose once again Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. I am on page 69. Today, I will accept the truth about myself. I will arise in glory and allow the light in me to shine upon the world throughout the day. I bring the world the tidings of salvation, which I hear as God my Father speaks to me. And I behold the world that Christ would have me see, aware it ends the bitter dream of death, Aware it is my Father's call to me. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.